I'm joined by Mark Yankovic, CEO and founder of Delphis Eco. Thank you very much for joining me, Mark. It's a pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me uh, onto your podcast and show. It's um, I'm looking forward to having a, a great discussion. Oh, me too. And where are you taking this call from? You've got a nice bright blue wall behind you. Uh, we are in our uh, relatively new offices in Bankside. Um, we are in the the green tech hub of London, sustainable workspace. Wow. Where are our new, where are our new offices. Where, yeah, where is cool. that? Uh, it is just behind the Tate Modern, so near Borough right. Market. Yeah, very cool. I may have been there, but maybe not. That sounds like a great place to work. Lots of networking yeah. and lots of very cool kind of driving brands trying to make a big difference. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I bet that's yeah, just a great place to hang out and see what other people are doing. Um, yeah. As I was reading about. Uh, Delphus Eco and, and the work you're doing, I was really shocked to find out this um, study that was published that you have listed, which is that people who've worked as cleaners or have done household cleaning for 20 years, it sounds like it's kind of professionally, like this is something they do all the time, that um, they have reduced lung fun- function that's equivalent to 20, year, to tw- 20 cigarettes a day for that same time period. That's, I mean, that's awful. Um, is that is that because of the? Uh, so you mentioned something about VOCs or volatile organic compound, compounds. Is that what that's from? Yeah, um, it, it it's it is it's horrendous. Um, it's the effectively the fumes that right. are in cleaning products, um, and the the study is from Bergen University, and they they ran it over twenty years. Um, so it's 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 a you know, a very academically heavy report Mm -hmm. but the the reality is that you don't need to have you know fumes vocs in uh in cleaning products to to do the cleaning job um and it's it's not surprising that the likes of bleach is being banned across europe because it is you know very heavily you 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 if you clean with bleach uh the respiratory damage that it causes is is you know is dramatic um so i you know i suspect in america the if it was you know had any more profile the uh there'd be a class action suit against people making <laughs> right, right. making you know highly you know, high voc cleaning products uh, just like there is for the smoking fraternity yeah wow i had no idea so yeah, I'm just, as you were saying that, I'm just thinking about the times. It's very rare, but I have cleaned with bleach or someone in the house has cleaned with bleach. And I just think that's not a pleasant smell. So there's a reason for it because it's really bad for yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's, bad, it's bad for you and it's, it's bad for the environment. Um, and the irony about, about scents and cleaning products is that they don't actually add any value to the cleaning process. They just, it's, it's designed to, to, make you think that the surface is clean versus the surface being clean. Mm-hmm. So um, not only is it bad for you, but it, it's masking actually what is being done. Interesting. So um, you said scents like when you spray something, it smells like lemon. It, yeah. So is I that think the stuff that, that's bad a, for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's another, there's a, there's a UK study which says that indoor air quality is six or eight times more polluted than outdoor air quality. Because we have all these 
perfumes going off in our houses and in our cars and all that kind of stuff. And they're just not good for you. Oh, man. Good thing yeah. I got this little plant behind me. I'm going to need to invest in many more based on that. <laughs> we need a few more plants. Yeah. We all need more plants. Yeah. Wow. So if it's bad for us um, inhaling it, it, it must be really bad for the environment as well at some point. Um, I guess the, the part that I'm not 100% clean, clear on is um, if I'm just spraying stuff on the counter, is that what's bad for the environment? Or is it going to be like if I'm pouring cleaning, like toilet cleaner, or is it all of it? Well, there's a bunch of different things in that. So the, the important piece is the biodegradation. So half, you, you want something that does a job and then gets out of the environment. So it gets mm -hmm. out of your environment and it gets out of kind of nature's environment. So you want, to, you want something that can, that can you, know, you spray on a surface. It doesn't chuck off a huge amount of kind of gas and you, right. you, know, you breathe it in. That's, that's clearly bad for you. And then also, how fast does it biodegrade? And if it biodegrades quickly, then that's great. But if it doesn't biodegrade quickly, then that's obviously bad. And that obviously has a knock-on and, and a lasting impact on the environment. So I mean, there's a classic uh, where we, you know, we supply you know, thousands of restaurants and thousands of, of, of kind of environments and we teach in one of the you know, one of the we teach people how to use cleaning products clearly mm -hmm. and obviously. And there is one of them where we say if you take bleach and you take a kind of a, a GIF or a SIF or something like that, and you mix the two, it creates mustard gas. And there are loads of examples of cleaners who have passed out near death, get dragged off to hospital. Um, and nobody can work out what it is that they've done, and then they admit that they've taken bleach and they've taken their bath cleaner or their cream cleaner, and they've mixed the two together in a small environment. It causes mustard gas, and they they have a dreadful time. So that this is, is this is real. This is real. <laughs> That's terrible. I actually yeah. was reading um, an article. It's like a local newspaper um, online that said that there was a couple that was cleaning the bathtub or the toilet or something and they had to evacuate because there i don't know if there was a it doesn't sound like there was a fire but it sounded like it was very toxic and the, and yeah, title said that the used, dog was coughing exactly they would have used bleach in the loo and they would have used cream cleaner in the in the, in the loo as well or in the sink and yeah. both of the gases came together and so yeah the, the the thing is that you you don't need to have you can make cleaning products without having those noxious gases yeah um and that's what you and, do and that's exactly what we do that's what we do so how, i mean it's not, it's not easy but uh it, it's doable right and so uh, so your products are plant-based um and they're biodegradable yeah. so that's obviously very different than the bleach and the big name brands most of them i imagine that are in stores um so plant-based to me makes me think like kind of very basic almost, but you're saying it's not easy. So it's not just like squeezing some lemon and water. There is obviously more to it. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, my, my, my you know, health warning to everybody is that I'm not a, I'm not a biologist and or, a, and or a chemist, but Neither I've am spent I. <laughs> the last 10 years um, talking to chemists and playing with formulations. And, you know, my personality is that, you know, if not me, then who, Right. You know, my belief is we can do this and we can find a better way. 
Um, and it's the, the the way it works is if you take sugar cane or a sugar beet or you take a sugary root and you you boil down or you ferment the likes of a, a um, sugar beet, it splits in two. And on the one hand, you get lactic acid. On the other, other side, you get bioethanol. So bioethanol you can use to fly jets. Lactic acid is a disinfectant. So both of these things are super potent and super powerful. Doing that, and that process is a new process. So the you know, this industry hasn't been disrupted in 100 years. Mm. You know, before this, they were, you know, it, it kind of the soap industry came from whaling. You know, it, right. it, the, the disruption just hasn't happened. Is it possible? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. But you can, you know, the, the, the carbon impact of taking rapeseed or sugarcane, which sequestrates carbon into the ground yeah. versus dredging for oil, which is just a massive carbon emitter, there's an inverse correlation in carbon by using, you know, plant-based ingredients. One, mm -hmm. two, they because they're plant-based, the biodegra biodegradability is much much faster. So there's so there's a, the, as I talked about earlier, the the clean is very strong, and the biodegradability is higher. So your actually your your environmental impact um, is is very is, is is much better than dredging for oil. Um, uh, so, so yes, yeah, it's not just squeezing lemons. Um, yeah, lemon into a, into a kettle does a job. Yeah. Um, uh, but there are, you, you know, there's, you can get, we've got, um, or, organic citrus that we use, uh, in all of our descaling products that do a, do a, a fantastic job. So the. So the idea is that they are safe for the environment, and and I I was I saw that there's a lot of um, really positive reviews on your website about how well the products work, and you have a wide range of them. So, I mean, it's I guess maybe this is just the mentality of uh, we were talking about bleach. You know how it's hard for me to believe almost that cleaners can be safe for the environment and for the people while cleaning so effectively. So is that why it's so difficult to, or why it's challenging rather to create such a, a good product is being able to kind of toe the line of having really effective products and at the same time, making sure that they remain safe for the environment. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, one is it's just new technology. It's, mm. it's new chemistry. Um, and it's finding a, a finding a better way, and that's what's important. Is that we have to try really hard to find a better way. Uh, we've got a great example. We we supply uh, the Trafford Centre, and they clean five miles of brass every day. Five that, miles that, of brass. That, that that number just you know knocked me off my chair, and I was like, <laughs> the poor guy using you know the traditional brass cleaners, which I'm sure you've used huge solvents, you know, burn your eyes. And this guy is doing it, or this, this team is doing this every day for five miles. And I went to our chemist and went, surely we can make a brass cleaner that is solvent free. I said, well, we'll have a go. Backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards. They tried, tried, no, it doesn't work, do something else. Feedback with the team at the Trafford Center. Eventually, we have created a solvent-free brass cleaner, which they absolutely love. So, is it is it applying some you know intelligence 
and rethinking how we do this. Yes, can we get to a great result? Yes, you can. Um, the, the problem with society is that the eco-cleaning products that you and I remember from 10 years ago, you know, they were you know, very ineffectual. And everybody got the impression that, oh, this stuff doesn't work and it's much more expensive. Exactly. And very sadly, that legacy still carries on today. They go, stuff doesn't, no eco-friendly product can possibly as good a, be as good as the, the nasties that you know, singe my nose has, or, um, uh, and they're much more expensive. And the reality with us is, you know, for, for a decade, we've been you know, selling our products into the commercial cleaning world. So we've had to go up against the nastiest of the nasties and compete on provenance and effectiveness and on price because nobody in the industrial cleaning space cares about paying a, a, a premium for any, you know, for, for, for a better product. Yeah. It's got to work first and foremost. It's got to be price competitive. And then the kind of the eco piece comes third. So, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine for for a cleaning company that eco messaging isn't a priority even for their clients that I, I would from my point of view i would imagine that their clients just want the job to get done well and um that, that's that's changing incredibly rapidly oh, i think it's brilliant. changing it's changing for a, for a bunch of reasons i think mm-hmm. the you know, the the awareness now is now everywhere that yes. you've got to fix this right. um you know the government declaring a climate emergency um the sdgs now coming out and every major company going we need to start thinking about how we fit fit in with that the emergence of b corp and mm-hmm. you know their methodologies and their kind of principles coming through so your your big your old school big corporate is now turning around going, well, we need to have a sustainability policy and within our sustainability policy, if we want to hire good staff, we need to, we need to talk about this stuff and we need to live and breathe it. And, you know, what can we do from a supply chain perspective to fix this? Mm-hmm. And we're a very simple answer. So we're a very simple tick box. Well, you can use you know, this nasty product to clean my school or we can use this nice product to clean my school. Yeah. Which one would you like? Um, and if and, the price is the same, then it really should be a no-brainer, or if it's close enough, at least. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a you know when we're talking about cleaning products in in contracts, the, the again talking about inverse correlation, which which um, uh, I, I use a lot. Mm-hmm. The the price of of cleaning a building versus the environmental impact that that cleaning product has when you pour it down the drain is not comparable. It costs nothing to clean, uh, you know, desks and floors. It literally costs, you know, less than pennies. But when you then pour that soapy, you know, bucket down the drain and that drain goes straight into the Thames because it's probably not going through, it's not getting poured down a loo or a sink, which then goes into uh, into a water recycling facility or a waste recycling plant. So that you know that you, those you see people you see people you see the you know, the street collectors the sweepers just opening up their tanks and pouring all of the you know water and whatever down the drain that goes straight into the watercourse. So yeah, it, it you know I'm saying I see people with with great intentions pouring soap suds down the the into the street, 
Yeah. And that, that is going straight into the water course. Oh man. So um, that's the importance of biodegradability. Did I say that yeah. correctly? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. The least possible impact on the environment. That, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So it's, <laughs> yeah. So you, you basically want it that by the time they pour it into the, down the drain, well, first of all, they pro- hopefully they don't, but you can't control those things. So what you can control is what is in the bucket that they end up pouring. Um, yeah. So you just hope that by the time it reaches the Thames, it's it's all pretty much gone. Well, that, that's why I, I, I go on about phosphates and phosphonates. Right. So, you know, and EDTAs, you, you asked earlier, you know, we don't have any phosphates in any of our products. Why? Because phosphates do not, so what should happen is that, you know, any waste water from the cleaning process, it, it, whether you're domestic or whether you are commercial, should go down a, a, a sinkhole or down, you know, down a, a shower or into a loo because that goes through a waste uh, uh, purification plant facility somewhere. Makes sense. So it should that it should get cleared out in that in that environment. Mm. Phosphates don't. So phosphates do not get taken out in the waste and waste um, wastewater recycling facilities. They go and then what happens is that that water then just gets pumped into the watercourse. So that'll go into a river or it will go into a river and, and then wherever that goes into the sea. So when you see algae blooms, you know, mostly in Florida, um, but they happen you know, all over the UK, it's basically phosphates getting pumped into the watercourse, kills fish, kills all sorts of things, you know, nasty. Uh, none of our stuff has any phosphate. So that's really important. And it's, it's you know, I think we were one of the first people to ban phosphates across our range. And we've never made any products with phosphate. So going back to the point about that person pouring the soapy water, soap suds down the, the drain in the street, which goes straight into the river. You want the products to be as kind to the environment as possible. So yeah. phosphate-free, EDTA-free, um, and to be able to biodegrade as fast as possible. So no chlorine bleaches because chlorine bleach it doesn't. You know, it does it. It does a job when it cleans in initially. But what chlorine does is chlorine, being a, a deoxygenates water, so it takes the oxygen out of the water. Right. Therefore, kills what's in living in the water, and it doesn't biodegrade particularly quickly. So it continues to deoxygenate water as it goes down through the water course, and continues to kill as it goes through the water course. So you know that's why we should ban bleach instantly because that's wow. just shouldn't happen. Well, that's why the work you're doing is so important because if you can compete with bleach, <laughs> and if you can yeah. do as bleach can do, then uh, for anyone who wants to protect the lovely animals that live near and, and in the water, that's a, a really easy way to do it. Is just stop using bleach and switch over to Delphis. Yeah. That's my exactly. my pitch for the for the day. <laughs> good, good, good call. Absolutely, you know, it, I, it makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate you explaining that because I, I didn't really understand where exactly the um, where the products make such a negative impact. I mean, the, the standard way. So it's because it it sounds like it in many ways it ultimately does end up in the waterway. So if you're able to make it a significantly less harmful than your 
doing a, a whole lot of good. Um, yeah. What you mentioned B Corp, and I'm, I'm just really curious: are is Delphus Eco a B Corp as well? Yeah. So that's um, I, I'm kind of familiar with B Corp. I've, I've seen it sort of on the internet, and I've looked into it. But what exactly is it? B Corp's very cool. So that they are. Um, their, their principles are, are you a, uh, a business? So you're a for-profit business, nice. but, you have, but you have a strong social ethos mm. and a strong environmental ethos. So to become a B Corp, um, they've got a horrendous uh, number of questions you have to go through. So don't make it uh, easy. <laughs> uh, don't make it easy. And lots of people can't, can't get it. Um, That's good to know. But yeah, they're... they're you know the brands that are are really striving to get B Corp have to you have to write it into your articles of association that you have a strong environmental ethos and a strong social ethos and that you care about not only your employees but the environment and everything else that goes around it. Um, and there are loads of checks and balances which they check off on you. So it's really important um, that I think all companies should strive to have that ethos. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are, you we're not a social enterprise. We're a for-profit business, but we think with a very strong social ethos and and, yeah. and and mentality. And I think that's critical for businesses going into the future. What I what I love about that is it's specifically for profit companies, and it just goes to show that you don't need to give up being, you know being a business, being interested in making a profit and doing and all simultaneously while doing good in the world, whether it's for people or the planet. And yeah. I think that that's so cool that they're really encouraging that and, um, and they don't make it easy. So do, do you get checked up on? Yeah. Yeah. Still? yeah. It's, it, 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 uh, it's every, every two years you have to reapply oh, and wow. every year you've got to write a, a big long dossier to say that you are still doing the right thing. Um, but I've, I've been to a number of conferences and it's incredible how many, how many big brands are very jealous about, you know, the companies that have B Corp and, and from an employability perspective, mm-hmm. you know, the young, the young generation are looking to work in companies that have that kind of thinking. Yep. So, you know, if you've got a B Corp, it's much easier to, to attract great staff, uh, and young talent. Um, and I think from a client perspective and a customer perspective, it's kind of, you know, what you're doing in you know, spreading the word mm-hmm. and, you know, showcasing, you know, let's not say exemplars, but showcasing that things can be done and change is happening. Yeah. You know, they're doing the same thing at a, at, a, at a kind of a corporate level. Yeah, that's really cool. And so do you put the B Corp uh, logo onto your products? Yeah. So people can see that? Yeah. You're looking at your products. Do you want to show I us? Am. I, <laughs> I am looking and I can't see the B Corp logo on these products. Um, we have the B Corp logo all over our website and all over our marketing collection. Let's, um, on that note, the... let's share the screen so we can, uh, we can take a look at what people can look for. We do, uh, we're doing lots with them. I'm, I'm leading a group with B Corp of, uh, like minor businesses to, to try and exhibit at COP26 in Glasgow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so engaging with the government to make sure that other like-minded businesses like ours can mm-hmm. showcase that we are, you know, there are businesses that are, are, are you know, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Yeah. Type thing. 
that is great. I think it's really important. I, I like what you said about um, big companies being jealous of your B Corp status. I'm just going to stop the screen share here because um, one of the questions I was I had was if you're worried at all about these big companies that have massive teams of scientists coming in and just going green overnight. Uh, there are some really big names, but it, well, my, my instinct based on what you're saying is that it would be pretty tough for them to do that and get all of the certification. Um, so it's, it's a good question. I, I the, we can only guess, but my, my, my hope is mm -hmm. that if you are a consumer and you know, you know, you know, said FMCG firm mm -hmm. is making nasty products and all of a sudden comes out with, oh, and by the way, we've got this little eco product on the side. I think the consumers are wising up to the fact that, well, 80% of your revenue is made from nasty stuff that, you know, is tested on animals. And when it goes down the drain, it kills dolphins and only, you know, 5% or 1% of your turnover comes from your eco range Look at us, 100% of what we do is what we do. And it is yeah. all, you know, everything is around being as sustainable as possible. Mm -hmm. you know, I've been asked by customers to create all sorts of products and I refuse to carry anything that doesn't have a deeply thought through um, you know, environmental ethos. It's just, we, and so that's one. The second thing is, you know, another good example is our, our laundry powder. To create a laundry powder that is optical brightener free, that is um, VOC free, uh, that is phosphate free, but actually cleans, you know, that's the key, isn't it? You know, grass stains and, you know, people cut themselves and there's blood and stuff like that, which is really hard to clean. Yeah. You know, we won't list anything that doesn't actually work. So it took about six years of, you know, playing with wow. formulations to actually get. To have all the eco, you know, credibility locked down, and to be able to do the job, and we had we had a, we've had this product tested. There was a there was a mum who who called up and said, "Do you have a laundry powder?" And I said, "Why?" She said, "Because I I clean the my kids' rugby teams rugby kit every weekend, and it's a nightmare." Mm, I and I said, "Try this," um, and she came back and went, "It's the best thing she's ever used." So you know, we have. We have a. We've now launched a, a laundry laundry powder, um, which we sell to. It's 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 in an eight kg bag, so it's not really domestic. Yeah. So we sell it to you know hotels and people like that. But we're in the process of putting it into smaller pack size so that you know people at home can use it too. That's awesome. Are Are you going to do a laundry liquid as well? So, so we're trying to get. We've got a softener which which again works in low temperature. Mm um yeah all of all of all of the above yeah it's so, yeah, amazing. optical brightener free voc free you know, phosphate free etc cetera, etc cetera. so the things you have to think about when you're because uh, you said it has to work in low temperature i didn't even consider that so you have yeah. to test all the different all the different ways uh, well, but, the laundry thing we, we even even cooler um we're working with a with a company at the moment i don't know if you know um a company called notpla they make seaweed sachets. So in the okay. at the last the last London marathon, they were handing out little yes. sachets of water. Yeah, not PLA, you, yeah, not PLA. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they, you, you, so we're working with them. So because we're single-use plastic-free, we're looking at working with them to put the the laundry powder into a seaweed uh, wrapper. That makes sense. That's a great way to do it. Yeah, that's a very common way that people are doing it now, isn't it? Already, but it's but it's all plastic. Oh, I see. So, so obviously the seaweed's not plastic. Yeah, and it's edible, isn't it? Yeah, like you can just. That's what they would do. They would, the runners would just eat the water. Yeah, but uh, don't, don't eat the laundry powder. No, <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> it may be. It may have fewer harmful yeah, chemicals, but you'll you'll be you'll be burping uh, uh, bubbles for a while. <laughs> Well, if that's the worst of it, then uh, yeah, it could certainly be worse. I guess you could do the same thing with um, uh, uh, dishwasher using the same kind of tech because that's yeah. so we do, we're doing. Do we, we're in the process of working with them to for a. Um, we've got a dishwasher and, and rinse aid product that we have uh, EU Eco Label accreditation on, um, and that is, but that's for a kind of commercial kitchens. I so we again tweaking that to be more domestically mm. suitable. And we're going to work with, with Notpla to put them into their seaweed sachets. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, speaking of packaging, um, I know you're very proud of your plastic uh, and the packaging that you use. Can you, um, why exactly are you, are you so proud of it? Um, oh, he, there he is grabbing a bottle. Yes. <laughs> um, so this, this, this bottle is made from 100% recycled single-use plastic. So it's that, that's incredible on many, many levels. So one... You know, With single-use plastic. Yeah. So we are recycling post-use single-use plastic. So, so what does post-use mean? means you it's gone through, you've used it. So, so like it's gone work, plastic uh, work. Yeah. Correct. So... The, so in the industry, there is recycled plastic, but it's virgin plastic. So I, in a big production facility, they're off cuts. You get those, you put them back in and you push them through the process and that's recycled, but it's still virgin plastic. Right. That's totally pointless. This is all about how do we divert millions and millions of tons of plastic from going into the ocean? One, so how do we fix, fix the environment from that perspective? How do we reduce carbon? Hmm. This has got a 70% reduction in carbon by using uh, recycled plastic. How do we change the way people behave with just waste material and not just throw it away, but go, actually, somebody wants to buy this. So my my, the, my current throwaway plastic, which is, you know, it gets used for milliseconds yeah. and lasts for 450 years, it's worthless. Well, we now are saying, well, we'll buy it. And we are buying used plastic, repurposing it and re-blowing it. We've, you know, it's taken, this has taken six or seven years. It's been an unbelievably tough journey, but we've got for the first time, well, we, I think we, I, in the UK, certainly we are the, we're the only people that have a hundred percent of our products made from hundred percent recycled single-use plastic that's incredible uh, and, I, and i think we're the only people in the world who who do it um as well so, so where so do you get it from at the moment we use the, the two big waste collectors uh violi and biffa pretty much have a 50 percent market share across the uk mm -hmm. 
collecting local authority waste. At the moment, we are using just milk bottles. So when your rubbish gets collected from outside your home, it'll go to a kind of a sorting environment and then they'll sort out cardboard, glass, you know, metal, wood, whatever else gets picked up. And then in the plastic stream, they'll sort that out as well. And they'll go, okay, all of the um, PET plastic, which is traditionally your, your water bottles, and then your HDP plastic, which is your shampoo bottles, your milk bottles, et cetera, et cetera, all get streamed out. They get bailed up and then you know, up until January last year, you know, January last year, they were shipped off to China. Um, right. You know, according to Hugh Fernley and his BBC uh, channel program, they're all now being shipped off to the Philippines. Um, we have said we don't want that to happen. We want the bottles to be UK bottles to be collected in the UK, processed in the UK, and then turned back into into a you know a new a new product. So this is this is a this is you know circular economy behavior in practice. We are taking you know milk bottles that are being used at home. We're bringing them back round. We're turning them into a cleaning bottle and we're selling them back to people to use these products back in their home. The good news is the reason they are the, the natural color that they are mm -hmm. is that this is the most recyclable color. So if it's green, it has to go into the green stream. And if it's blue, it goes into the blue stream. And only 9% of plastic is recycled. Yeah, so, that's you know, crazy. 91% not being recycled at all. And I think Westminster Council they they publicly state that 87% of all of their waste collected gets incinerated. So it makes no, it actually has, you know, everybody knows the little triangle on the bottom of the bottle. Oh, it's, you know, triangle number two, this is recyclable. It makes, it doesn't matter. If you live in Westminster, it's just going to get burnt. So, you know, it, we've got to change that. You know, we've got to say, listen, Westminster, I will buy your plastic waste and I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to send it back to the residents of Westminster and the businesses of Westminster as a cleaning product. So, and so, so what happens to the bottle once, so let's say I'm, I'm done using the bottle, yeah. what should I do with it? Well, you can because I've kept it this color, right? It's the same color as a milk bottle. So that it, it milk right, bottles yeah. get stripped. They are the most recycled, oh, I most see. collected. So the reason we pick milk bottles and pick them state of the color is that, so that that's is valuable the one thing stuff. That it'll come back out. So you can, after this, chuck it straight into the waste system and it'll get pulled back out in the milk bottle stream and used again. So, so we'll then buy this bottle back. Makes sense. So the when you say, we'll, buy, we'll buy the material back. I gotcha. When you say chuck it into the waste stream, do you mean like actually sort it out into the recycling or it doesn't really matter if you know? Yes, put it into the recycling. Okay. Um, because all of that will, as I say, will go into, you know, it mm -hmm. should go into a, a sorting facility. So, um, it, yeah, it should. My fight, and one of the things, um, you know, we've been championing is we launched this, this logo last summer um, at Greta Thunberg's Climate Strike Day, which is called the Recycle Plastic Rating. And we are collaborating with a bunch of brands like us who use packaging. And we've said, this is the most important thing since the invention of plastic. 
This is not about whether your bottle is or your packaging is or is not recyclable. It's has it got recycled content in it? Yes. So we're completely turning the conversation on its head. Yeah. So right now we know that ninety-one minimum of ninety-one percent of plastic is not recycled. If I, as a brand, am turning around and saying, "Mr. Recycler, I need to buy recycled plastic," and if my customers are saying to me, "I want to buy products packaged in recycled packaging," yes, then right, you know, the power of the pound. You know, Pick, a, pick any brand, pick any product, when the customer's going, I'm not going to be buying your product anymore. I'm going to be buying somebody else's product because their packaging has got recycled content. And therefore, I know that I'm actually at point of purchase making a difference. Yeah. Because right now, with the best will in the world, if let's say you live in Westminster and you're segregating all your waste and every Thursday you put it all out and you know, you don't know, I'm not sure they tell everybody, but you segregate all your waste, it gets collected, all of it gets incinerated. Totally pointless in you incinerating, you segregating anything. So, and, and Westminster, I shouldn't pick on them because it's the same in every council. So by doing this, the councils will then go, okay, my residents are demanding that you know, the stuff gets killed. Well, they're not demanding it. They are demanding at the other end that the plastic is being recycled. Right, so rather than... It doesn't, doesn't really matter what you do because your waste collector knows that there's value in, the, in what was rubbish. They are going to actively sort it because they know somebody like me wants to buy it. Right. So whereas before there was no value and actually let's just bury it, we've now got people buying it. And, if you're, and when the big FMCG groups come on board and when the big um, drinks companies come on board and say, we have to have recycled content in our packaging, the whole game will change. And millions of tons of plastic will get diverted from going to landfill and the environment and will get reprocessed. Makes sense. So this is what this is your website, the plasticspledge.org. I'm sharing my screen again. Is this these are the marks yeah. that you're referring to, is it? Yeah. Um, where it says it basically it says uh, recycled plastic rating and there's different percentages. So they're I'm seeing 20%, 60%. I'm guessing your bottles have 100%. Um, yeah. And we've designed it, we've designed the rating around what the government is planning to, to introduce. Um, so they're going to introduce a plastic tax. And they've said that the minimum quantity of recycled content should be 30%. Um, mm. uh, so right Start. now, this, this doesn't exist. Um, they're not quite sure how. Um, but you know, we came up with this logic, one for me to try and get other people to demand recycled content yeah. because the more people that demand it, um, the more capacity there'll be and the cheaper it'll be for, for everybody uh, to participate. And at the moment, you know, this plastic is much, much more expensive than buying virgin plastic, mm. but it, it shouldn't be. It makes sense because... Um, uh, I don't think anyone buys products based on how recyclable the plastic is. They just assume that plastic is recyclable. But if you're looking at a product and at least this is kind of the way I think about it, just thinking about the way I think about it. Whereas if I knew and I saw in the product, oh, this is 100%, it's made from 100% recycled plastic, that 
if two products are the same on the shelf and one of them has this symbol that says 100% made of 100% recycled plastic and the other one says 20% and the products are otherwise the same, I'll definitely go for the 100% recycled because that's an easy choice and I know I'm doing a lot of good. Um, so is that kind of the, the, the thinking behind it? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think, I think they're, yeah, I think the consumer has lost trust and now mm. knows that your, you know, the packaging that they buy is not recyclable. A, it's not recyclable. It's not widely recyclable um, uh, and or doesn't get recycled. So even if you've, you've got um, uh, the Tetra Pak um, you know, juice, yeah. that 100% is recyclable, but it's only recyclable in the Nordic countries, it's right. not recyclable in the UK. Mm. So there isn't a there isn't a recycling facility for that here, which therefore means it doesn't get recycled. It gets incinerated or it gets buried. Yeah. So, you know, so there are a lot of people that turn around. There are load that you know, my gripe is that there are twenty eight different marks that tell you whether your packaging is or is not recyclable. Mm -hmm. So this may be recyclable in the right environment if you live in the right local authority and you have a recycling facility somewhere nearby maybe the the, the reality variables. is the reality is that when you put your stuff in the in the waste you have no idea if it is being recycled or isn't being recycled and we know that it isn't being recycled yeah. i mean there's it's just well documented it's not being recycled here by picking this product up you go this has been recycled and it is recyclable clearly because it's been recycled. Makes sense. It goes yeah. back around. So I'm not picking something on the off chance that it might be recyclable. I'm picking something that has been recycled. So by buying this, saying, yeah. the conscious decision is that I have actively helped divert plastic from the environment. Hmm. That's so, awesome. So, so the consumer goes by buying this, by buying products that have that rating, I am actively participating in helping the recycling process. That's amazing. So, how many? How how is this? Um, how's the plastics pledge going? How is the the mark working? I, so, I mean, is it? Are people? It's been a, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we've got we've got a we've got a working group. We've got a bunch of people that have signed up already. Amazing. Um, we've got a working group with, you know, literally the glo the, the world's biggest brands on mm -hmm. Earth Day. Um, where we are finalizing what I want them to do. So we've kind of created the methodology. I want them from different walks of brands to agree that there is a single principle. And then the idea is with that working group, we're going to go to the government and we're going to say, here is a mark that you need to get behind so that there's one mark. Uh, there isn't 20 or 30 different marks. There needs right. to be one mark that everybody gets behind. But everybody yeah. that we've spoken to, there are a bunch of guys that have already signed up, um, and you know, are, are doing it. So that's so it's, awesome. It's been it's been incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's been really good. I'm really glad to hear that. I remember um, I, I went to a sustainable packaging conference uh, here in London, and um, a small group. There was probably like thirty or forty of us there, and one of the biggest issues that that these packaging uh, professionals were talking about is the number of marks and labels and little codes and symbols, and all of them mean something kind of different, but 
they're sort of the same and it's so confusing to the, I mean, it's confusing to them because <laughs> there's just so many of them, but as a consumer, it's mind boggling and you just, you just ignore it. You can't make a decision based on that. Yeah, exactly. So th th that's, that's the whole point. It's totally confusing. There's no trust. Yeah. And the whole point of this is that there's one mark. It's super easy to identify. Yeah. It sits across all the brands. Um, you know, what I must say and should say is that, yes, Delft Seco came up with the initiative. The mark has been transferred into a social enterprise. Mm -hmm. So it now sits, Plastics Pledge is a, is, sits in a social enterprise. The revenue that is generated from the mark and the, the administration of the mark, any, any profits there will go into educating it's, it's educating around sustainability. Oh, right. Okay. So it's sustainability projects could be anywhere. It could be anywhere in the world. could be, but it's, it's making sure that we are putting money into educating people around how to be more sustainable. That's really cool. Um, one thing I really want to ask, which is completely off topic. Um, and I'm just remembering since we're talking about marks is that you have on your products, you have Royal warrants. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to share the screen again. I keep going in and out. Um, They're behind me. Are they? Oh, there, there yeah. you go. Oh, wow, cool. Ah, oh, yes. So, what, what is it? What is a royal warrant? Yes. Um, a royal warrant is is something that is granted to you by one of the royal families. So, there, at the moment, there are only three that you can possibly apply for, um, Her Majesty the Queen, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, and the Prince of Wales. And you have to supply your products and or services to one of those households for a minimum of five years before they will consider um, uh, offering you the ability or the right to use their coat of arms on your product. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge honor um, it's a it's a massive um, stamp of provenance. They don't give them out lightly. They it's a in the UK, it's a um, a badge of excellence. So wow. you have to you have to offer great service, and your product has to work. Otherwise, they wouldn't use it. That is um, so cool. So how yeah, does it? So, how do they? Um, did they just give call you up one day? Because you you have two of them. First of all, so you have. The Queen and then Prince Charles. Prince of Wales, yeah. The Prince of Wales, we yeah. Have, we have both. Um, yes, well, I, I when when I gave up my overpaid banking job uh, <laughs> with a belief that I needed to do something more constructive with my life. Um, why cleaning products is a good question. Uh, Money Week wrote an article about me saying banker to bog cleaner, uh, <laughs> which was which I thought was hugely amusing. And sure. <laughs> the, the logic around cleaning products is they are used globally mm -hmm. and they have a global impact. Every single day, millions and millions and millions of liters of cleaning products go down the drain. So if I can create a range of cleaning products that are better for the environment, my impact will be massive. Yeah. So it is all about scale. We need mm -hmm. to scale change and help the environment. Um, so of the, the different things I looked at, my logic was, how can I have the biggest possible impact? Um, and the cleaning products is that, in my view, will have that impact. Um, 
clearly the Prince of Wales has been the most incredible yeah, champion around sustainability and the 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 you know, lifestyle choices for you know, over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was you know, just very lucky to to ask the right people uh, who I could possibly talk to within the Prince of Wales's um, household to say, you know, please try my products. I believe we have the greenest products in the UK. You're clearly one of the, the most environmentally conscious people in the world. Um, uh, tell me what you think. Um, so did and, you start with Prince Charles and then move to the Queen? Um, yeah. So the, the Prince of Wales uh, gave us his his warrant in 2014 and the Queen in 2016. Wow. So, and do they, how did you get the warrant? I mean, was it a surprise? It just arrived in the post or um, you, you knew it was on its way? Well, you, know, you have to you have to apply, but you can only apply after you've been supplying oh, them for five years. Got it. So there's there's a there is a there is a process, yeah. um, and and loads of people apply uh, every year, um, but they're very 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 particular about who who they value to 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 offer their their coat of arms to. Um, and as I say, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a privilege uh, and an honor. Um, and a, a, a treat to 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 supply those households. Um, well, I I know we're um, approaching our time here, so um, I'd love to know um, first of all what's next because I know on your website you said something about refillables. So is that um, the direction that you're focusing on? Kind of even less waste and kind of removing the um, that whole thing about plastic going into the waste stream at all and yeah, I mean, there's a the, our, our kind of B two B customer base, our commercial customer base. We 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 strongly um, advocate and reject them buying throwaway trigger bottles or single use packaging. Mm-hmm. So we sell you know super concentrated products that they use to dispense from, and you get you know you know a hundred uses or two hundred uses out of a single five liter bottle right um i think in the domestic world that has to come too so the 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 notion of you know the the learnings we have from you know the the decade of supplying you know big industrial uh corporates can you know transition into into the home where you have super concentrated products and you refill at home um and 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 that is we're talking to a number of supermarket chains to say how can we work with you on on that concept and we we're working with packaging designers to come up with little little measuring systems that we can do that too. Um, so, you know, the next step for us is 100% to to introduce some of the the commercial learnings we've got into the home uh, and and make it and and cut you know cut domestic carbon. Yeah. They don't need to buy a single bottle and throw it away. Mm-hmm. They can buy a bottle, they can keep it, and they can refill it. Yeah, um, and I'm seeing the re- the refill stations coming up uh, at different stores. Um, so I, yeah. there's, I think people are interested and motivated. Yeah, there and the refill shops are are a new anomaly. I think they kind of started last year, beginning of last year, and that and they're taking off like yeah. mad, which is which is fantastic. That's so awesome. the kind of the plastic free type stores where you refill everything. Um, is 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 fantastic and yeah. lots of people are asking if they can buy our stuff and they can obviously we've got 
we've got the industrial size quantities which we can send send to them. So it's quite easy. That's really cool. Um, one thing I, I always like to ask, because um, I'm just so curious, is what do you do aside from all the amazing work that you're doing uh, at work? What what do you do at home to be environmentally friendly? Something that maybe I can I can use in my daily life. Um, I, I, I get asked to talk a lot, and you know the, that question comes up. And the most important thing is, you know, the power. I I, I go back to you. There's only one thing that we we control and that's that's you know what we decide to buy mm-hmm. um uh we we have the power to to move the needle ourselves and it's what are we buying uh across the board from you know cleaning products in your home to you know not buying you know air fresheners that detract from the environment and detract from you to you know conscious food to you know stuff that's packaged properly to whatever and i think it's it's critical that every single one of us considers our purchasing habits and where possible just think about them and go actually do you know what do i need this or don't i need this and that and they have a massive ripple effect yeah um so so it's i think it's vital that we all live within our means and try and be more conscious with our in our consumption yeah um and it, yeah it breaks my heart every day when you you know go home and you see people just throwing litter you know out of the window or yeah. dropping something on the street and you just go how is that how you know, difficult we, is really it to throw to, away <laughs> yeah and i think what you're doing is is, is super important because it's 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 critical that what we don't do enough of, and I and I, I I go on about this in my in my previous world. I knew all of my competitors in all of the banks that worked in what I did, and all of the lawyers knew all of their competitors, and all of the accountants knew all of their competitors, and in the in the kind of the the big in, industries today, it's incredibly well networked, mm-hmm. so that when they want to make a change, they make five phone calls. And you know they can make make scale change in the emerging industries, which is the, the kind of the green tech world. We don't know each other enough. There isn't enough showcasing of oh, these guys are doing this well, and these guys are doing this well, hmm. and therefore us coming together, knowing who is who, and then networking together, so we can we can learn from each other, and there can be scale change. Yeah. So the, the my 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 big push to to you know, people in the media is to go. We absolutely need to be showcasing where change is happening, mm-hmm. and it's not just about talking about it. It's actually people that are doing it, yeah. Um, and then other people to follow suit um, and to learn from it. And 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 we need to share not, not necessarily all IP, but if anybody wants to talk to me about plastic and how we did this and how they can do the rating and how they can you know reduce carbon, we all need to be sharing best practice. Yeah, a big difference. I think we're we're all in it together. So this isn't the time to keep trade secrets too closely to the chest. I mean, yeah, you probably don't want to completely ruin your business, but uh, it sounds like giving people some advice and kind of sh- showing them the direction to move in uh, can really make a big difference for yeah. for everyone, really. Yeah, and we we absolutely. I mean, for twenty twenty. It's the year of networking for you know sustainable mm. sustainable businesses. We yeah. we absolutely need to be talking to each other about 
what we're doing well and how we can move faster. Yeah. Excellent. Well, on that note, Mark, thank you so much for your time. This was a really fantastic conversation. Love all the work you're doing. Thanks for showing the, uh, the marks, the Royal warrants on, on your wall there. And, um, looking forward to seeing what you come up with next as well as your as well as your um uh, new website i'm sure it's going to look brilliant really cool. uh, if you know if, if the next i desperately want to go sell the products in america and help america become a little bit more sustainable so okay. if you know anybody in america send them my way sounds great certainly will do cool. well thanks so much mark thanks okay cheers Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about the work uh, that Delphus Eco is doing and, and take a look at their website, you can find them at delphiseco.com and that's spelled D-E-L-P-H-I-S.com. Uh, also that work that Paul was talking about in terms of the plastic pledge and that plastic mark that they're putting about recycling, you can go take a look at that campaign. It's plasticpledge.com. Org, uh, .org. Uh, if you want to follow them on social, then it's at Delphus Eco, and that's for both Instagram and Twitter. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you can be the first to know about new episodes and give us a five-star rating. It really helps and it's very appreciated and any feedback is welcome. Thank you so much.